There you go. Okay. Um. All right. This is so now we're we're live, right? We are live and direct. Yeah. Just so um. I don't. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see how this works out. So, uh, all right. Welcome can, to suggested donation. I'm Edward Manoff, and I'm Jay Braun. We are without our beloved Tony, the 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 heart and soul of this operation. Uh, he's like a brother, and uh, yeah, he'll, he'll be back. So we are introducing a, uh, this is the first suggested donation panel discussion, which has been sitting in the can. That doesn't sound very good, sitting in the can. No, it's, it's been fine. sitting, it's been recorded a long time ago, and it's been, uh, it's, it's like a, it's like a fine wine. It's, 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 it's gotten better with age. It's, it's a really good conversation that we had at the FACE conference. Now I think it's like three years ago with uh, um, a few artists on a stage and uh, an audience full of artists, including a, a few who wound up uh, participating in the conversation. Um, but uh, on the stage, it was uh, Daniel Sprick, Patricia Watwood, um, and Rose Franzen, uh, and... Uh, Tony and and me and uh, Peter Trippy also joined. So all of those folks, except for Rose Franzen, have been on the podcast before. So you can go back and uh, listen to their podcasts, and you'll be able to uh, maybe identify their voices. Uh, and then then you'll know the the voice that's unfamiliar would be Rose Franzen, um, who Tony and I met for the first time actually on the stage. Uh, and she's an amazing uh, portrait painter and somebody we've been wanting to have on the podcast for a long time. And so it was, it was cool to get to talk to her. Um, and to, to, she is like so high energy, like her mind is, is moving really fast uh, and it's hard to keep up. But uh, it, it, it was a fun conversation. We started it out with it gets sort a of little, just, It gets a little intense, which is good. It gets really good. It's, there's participation uh, from two other folks who have been on the podcast. Uh, David Casson, uh, who you'll hear talking about replacing the word beauty with the word love. Uh, and Shana Levinson, who uh, talks a little bit about a uh, really tragic um, story that, uh, yeah, it, it, gets, it gets pretty intense, um, which, uh, you know, uh, I, we weren't uh, planning on it. Yeah, you, but. You, it's definitely raw, and uh, you can hear that. It, that uh, I mean, the whole conversation is very raw in a good way. That moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was su I was really glad that she was willing to to be so open and to to share that experience. We started the whole thing out though. We were like, I mean, we don't know. So we're we're in front of a crowd, and we're trying to you know figure out like how to how to do it and you know speeches you're always supposed to start out with with a joke so we started out with this uh the idea that uh <laughs> that we're gonna like have the 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 panel discussion sponsored by the color green we just decided kind of randomly um so i was really uncomfortable being on stage so uh, Tony starts talking about and introduces, you know, the podcast and says we're 
tonight's podcast, I think it's it's actually in the the edit, uh, is is sponsored by the color green. And we're just kind of going for like a Sesame Street, kind of like a dumb joke. And I'm sitting on stage next to Daniel Sprick, who, you know, we're really excited, um, was willing to get on stage and 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 talk. And he kind of leans over to me and he's just kind of whispers while Tony's saying, you know, sponsored by the color green. He's like, what is this? Some kind of a joke? joke. <laughs> well, he, I mean, when somebody, when you're making a joke and somebody asks if it's some kind of a joke, it, it, it definitely, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it's not the best feeling. What did you say? Um, what did you say back? And I, I was, I was sort of like, uh, you know, almost like backpedaling, I, I, you know, I, you were like, no, it actually, we really like the color green. <laughs> yeah, we, no, we, we got a lot of money for the, yeah. from the color green, this whole operation. Would, yeah. you know. um, no, I was, I was like, yeah, you know, it's just, you know, and I'm trying to like getting all like kind of nervous. And so he, he, he said like, he leans over and he seemed kind of annoyed, which like, then I'm like really nervous. I'm like, oh God, he's going to like We're off walk to a great off the start. stage. No, I just, I, I was concerned that maybe he was like, regretting getting mixed up with us you know idiots and so i'm i'm like super nervous and and i'm like yeah 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 well you know we're just and i'm trying to like play it down i'm like yeah well we're just you know trying to you know lighten it up get the crowd into it a little bit and and he kind of like he sort of like i couldn't tell maybe he rolled his eyes or something and then he uh he leans back and i this is i mean it's so brilliant he leans back and he goes I mean, it's not even a primary color. <laughs> yeah, everybody I spoke to afterwards, which is, you know, the, the, all the participants were really happy with the conversation they had. And I think there's room for us to maybe not agree 100% on everything. But um, I think just having these conversations is important. It's, it's a big part of why we do the podcast. And uh, I, I think... If things get like if the disagreements get like a little intense or the emotion gets a little intense, that's that's not a bad thing. I mean, you know, we're we're I think with podcasts, you know, with longer format conversations, you can kind of explore things and go through a range of of ideas and and emotions associated with those ideas. Um, So I thought it was cool. And I was I was glad that like people in the audience participated um and that uh you know it wound up being this like kind of free form conversation um yeah it, it, maybe a couple moments where like people seemed to to get a little bit annoyed you also have like a stage full of really smart people i mean uh patty watwood you know somebody i've known forever and she's like somebody i you know always impressed with her intellect and and daniel sprick and um just speaking to him on the podcast i i got a sense of of how thoughtful and and smart he he is uh i didn't realize as that he had such a like sharp and dry sense of humor yeah that's Um, pretty dry but that was that was amazing i I told tony afterwards because he was he was talking while daniel and uh, and, I, and I think actually you can kind of hear it in the in the recording, uh, like the two of us kind of whispering. And uh, I told Tony afterwards and he was like, 
on his ass laughing. It was uh, um, there's just such a <laughs> such a funny line. That's pretty um, good, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so so oh. I I don't know. I mean, it, maybe it did get heated a little bit, but I, I think everybody seemed pretty happy with you know with where the conversation went, and and I was hoping that uh, at some point afterwards we get to catch up with. Uh, Rose Franzen and and get you know just a, a an individual recording uh, which we haven't been able to to line up. I think she's um, uh, she's kind of remote her her location, and I think she's not super into like being too like lost in technology. So I think uh, you know face to face would it would have to be face to face with her, which obviously isn't happening now. Um, but it was it was great to to get to talk talk with her. She's just an artist that I've always admired. Um, yeah, so that's this one. It's it's like it's also um, just because of the we're recording on a stage, and I think our equipment we didn't have the equipment to 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 handle the recording, so we used the um, the conf the face conference equipment. And the equipment that they had for us uh, only recorded, I think, one track. Is that right? It's messy. Like, it's, it's a little bit cacophonous. But in the end, I think the conversation, you know, if you're listening, you have to endure a little bit of, like, awkward moments and stepping over each other and, and kind of, uh, you know, in, in places, garbled audio. But I don't know under the circumstances under which it was recorded, but there's a lot of dropouts and a lot of like technical uh, no-nos that occur throughout the recording that I mitigated as best I can. But what I really want to say is... Um, treckle! Sometimes... What I really want to say is treckle! 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 What I really want to say is treckle is still mailing daily throughout the pandemic. <laughs> to address all of your needs. T-R-E-K-E-L-L. No, what I wanted to say was, it's always a question, like, in the editing process, sometimes you're cutting out ums or uhs or long periods of awkward silence. Sometimes you're cutting out rambling that goes off topic and it's just uninteresting and unrelated to what's going on. Sometimes you cut something because the artist calls up or emails and says, hey, I, I said this and I kind of, this was stupid. Mm -hmm. I want to, you know what I mean? I mean, like, that doesn't happen so, to us, but. But, so what I want to say about this is that, and, and, and I've wanted to say this for, since like the, the birth of the podcast. <laughs> the and the podcast, finally, Tony's not here and I can say. That, no, no, no. <laughs> no, not that. What I was going to say was like, sometimes you do an edit and like the only way it comes out is that it sounds like somebody's interrupting somebody else. And, and there are plenty of natural interruptions in the course of this conversation. However, <laughs> in addition to that, there are some necessary edits that had to be made that makes people sound like they're interrupting each other. And that happens that that sometimes happens. It's something so, that some people claim has happened on the podcast before. That well, this is my point. This is what I'm saying is <laughs> since since people make that claim, you know, you go and you read the reviews. I'm like, you know, now that people mention it, a couple of those a couple of those interruptions are actually my edits. You know, <laughs> no, oh, stop it. Um, but uh, anyway, hope Tony is enjoying his uh, his personal day. Love him like a brother. And uh, yeah, I love you, Tony. Hope you enjoy the podcast and uh, 
Best of luck and God bless. And thank you also to our uh, amazing panel, um, Patty Watwood, Rose Franzen, uh, Daniel Sprick, Peter Trippi, uh, and then uh, from the crowd, David Casson and uh, Shayna Levinson. I mean, like, it's an all-star cast. It is. It is. It was awesome. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, Face. Thank you, Treckle. And thanks for listening. And give us some good reviews to help other people find this podcast. Um, All right, guys. All right. Thanks. I'm going to stop the Thanks, guys. Enjoy. And... Um, This is fun. Not really. Right there. Um, Thank you for coming. It's been a long day, but we are absolutely on a high because we've seen some great art being made. We've had some great conversations. This is a very special edition of Suggested Donation, the famous podcast operated by Tony Sir and I and Ted Minoff, who are here in the house. Yes. We're delighted to do this. This is a great partnership. Uh, Suggested Donation has been an incredible partner for FACE all through the year, and we're looking forward to more. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. We have have product in producing. How amazing is that? Hey, everybody, thank you so much for coming. Um, I'm assuming you guys know the podcast, right? Yeah. Yes. Otherwise, you're just kind of peeking in here to see, like, <laughs> yeah. what is this thing going on and everything. So uh, what we all do here is just create art and try to do the best we can, making the things that we care so much about that um, the support by doing this other little thing that we're just trying to do and getting the emails and stuff like that, I think is really important. But also, it makes it feel like what we're doing is important, and it feels like, I mean, we started this to sort of broaden the platform to create, have more conversations and to a broader audience than we were able to have when we're just, like, commiserating on the phone about how awful everything is. (laughs) Yes, pretty much. And uh, so, you know, thank you for for supporting the podcast, for listening to it, and for all the emails and everything. Yes. Really appreciate it. And this is the first time that we've done a live event, and uh, I'm normally pretty shy, so <laughs> I'll try to not like vomit at him. <laughs> Which is going to be good because anything he stumbles on, I'm just going to love every moment. Uh, yeah. If you, know, if you listen to podcasts, we know that we love to watch each other slightly fail, but in like a really good way. Also, wanted to thank uh, uh, Face. Yeah, letting us do you. this thing and, and bringing everybody like, together. I think yeah, it's important. I, it's I mean, important. to all be together face to face to see what everybody else is doing and. Uh, see the demos. We got to see a great documentary last night. I'll maybe take this uh, time to introduce our panel. We were really Well, even before that, I, we have a special, we, the podcast today is being sponsored. We want to thank The Color Green. Oh, nice. The Color Green is sponsoring our <laughs> podcast today. Thank you, so Green. Thank you, Green. You're one of our favorite colors. I want to uh, so I wanted to <laughs> sorry, to introduce the panel. So 
Um, first of all, thank you, everybody, for, for joining us and, and the audience. Um, I'll start with uh, Daniel Sprick, who needs no introduction. He's been an inspiration to all of us for, for you know, as long as I've been aware of uh, this kind of art. And uh, he's also episode 32 of Suggested Donation Podcast. Um, and we were lucky enough to get a, a, a screening of his documentary, uh, or the documentary about him last night. And uh, if you saw it, you know how amazing it is, and you know how amazing Daniel is, and how lucky we are to, to have him. And uh, if you didn't see it, uh, I think it's for sale. Yes. Uh, and I highly recommend getting it, because uh, I can listen, I mean, I have listened to Daniel on the podcast over and over again, and He's just got so much to share, and it's—I find it incredibly inspiring. Um, then we've got Patricia Watwood, who is a, an old friend, a great artist, one of the most authoritative voices on representat representational painting. <laughs> also, episode three of the podcast. Three, number nice. three, yes. Nice. And we we broke it in two parts. Out, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go quarter. back. It's it's archived. Yeah, yeah, um, and by the way, Patty, your portrait that that I love that portrait. Oh, in the other room, so good. It's in the other room. You should go see it if you oh, haven't. Yeah, right. And if you you know, you. you should buy it because <laughs> it's, it's really way too cheap. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, then we've got Rose Franzen, who is a new friend. I we're. Basically, just meeting for the first time right. here on this. Right, but we've been—I've been a fan of. <laughs> but we've been a, a fan of your work. I'm, I've for... been trying to find your podcast. Now I know the name of it. I thought I thought I had to give money, suggested donations. Oh, I was a little concerned. <laughs> we'll hit you up later. Okay. <laughs> we'll give you a little pass, like a. Okay. And then we've got on the end Peter Trippy, who of course needs no introduction. You all know Peter. He's the editor in chief of Fine Art Connoisseur was the director of the Dahesh Museum in New York City, which was... A fantastic museum. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and published a monograph on Waterhouse. Um, it's a great book. And was featured on episode 35 of the podcast. Oh, nice. <laughs> so you, you were 34? And one who just seemingly has just endless amounts of energy. It's the Diet How Coke. many, how many deuses have you been I on know. since the thing has kicked off? Every single day. Mm -hmm. Love it. Mm -hmm. I'm high on My voice art. kicks out. And the color green. On the color green. We love the green. We love the green. It's awesome. <laughs> it's all good. Well, so thank you, all of you, for joining us. Thank you. Which is super fun. And um, so let's just, I hope you're all had a couple of drinks. You had, you're fed. So you're not all cranky and get all bored because we don't want that to be this type of thing. So um, a couple of things. So uh, let's just get right into it. I was looking at this, you know, this thing, you know, the, the catalog. And we were looking at the Friday, day three, November 9th. And it's Tony Cernay and Ted Minoff suggested donation podcast live. Uh, Ted, what bugs you about uh, about our field right now? Jeff Coons. Jeff Coons, well, this is oh. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, what, what makes you glad? The color green. <laughs> Sorry, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> color green? <laughs> All the time, or is it a rotating? <laughs> it's, it's just there tonight. It it's green. only tonight. Green. One night only. Green. green. <laughs> um, 
Uh, let's just get it out of the way. What what brush sizes do you use? Three point one four one five nine. Okay, great. <laughs> Rosemary makes it. It's off the menu. You can probably find it over there. Ask them. It's private stock. It's good stuff. And what's your favorite color? Putty. 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 <laughs> Putty's good. Oh, green. green. Sorry. Green. Green. <laughs> you gotta do the. It's here for green. We love green. All right. Anyway, now that that's out of the way, and <laughs> let's say Eric. Uh, Eric Rhodes, you need better writers because what bugs you about the art field right now? Come on, Eric, we love you. Where that was a placeholder. It was a placeholder that got printed. Okay, fair enough. So let's get serious now, but not really. Um, so one of the things that we were talking about since we've been here, and I think uh, one of the conversations that Ted and I have been talking about on the phone, and I think we all do this, especially because I see so many of our friends and colleagues in front of us right now, um, sitting in your studio and thinking about what you're doing. And are you making a difference? And how do you make it better? Not only technically, but the idea, the, 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 uh, the spirit of what we're doing. What are we doing? And one of the things I started thinking about when we started thinking about human nature and everything is that uh, um, I kind of wrote it down. I was like, are, I mean, are we wired as humans as like story making story processing machines and I was like is it are we should we have more narrative in in our paintings is it something more of a narrative driven themes in our paintings and is that something that could help us connect to an audience more or is it unnecessary to really start overthinking things like that and I would just go ahead and ask anybody to maybe jump on that and see, I just, I'm curious to see what you think about that. Well, um, I've, I've actually spent most of my life being kind of disdainful of narrative. Mm -hmm. And just like, uh, but now I'm paying some narratives. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, uh, but I like to make them not very obvious. Why? Because, um, Usually they're just not very interesting if they're if they're too obvious. But I suppose I don't know if that's even true. I mean, uh, Rembrandt's deposition from the cross—it's a narrative illustration. Yeah, it is interesting. It hasn't run out of interest yet. So I, now I'm already, con you know, backpedaling on my own statement. Uh -huh. <laughs> it, 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 um, but that's something that I think as artists we do a lot. Like I'll do something thinking it's one thing, and then when I'm going down that road, I not question, but I'm like, huh. I, I might have a different opinion on something that I thought was such a thing at one point because of an experiencer or, or experience in general or something that popped into my head or something I saw that might change my direction a little bit. And I was like, I didn't think about that. And then it might change something in me. Anybody can jump in? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I actually have a theory on this. Please. My husband likes the fact that I develop a lot of theories. <laughs> uh, we actually define ourselves via narr narrative. How I see myself on the planet is a story I tell myself. So this thing that you, I mean, I think this, what you just said, Daniel, is really interesting because I have this narrative and it's kind of a mystery to me, the way the story I tell myself in a way. I'm not always really clear on it. And that's probably partly why we don't want it completely obvious, because we don't live it completely obvious to ourselves. You know? And I think that, so it's like it's a necessary evil, and it's interesting to paint it. I mean, it's an, I mean, what do I, I don't know, I'm not sorry. I'll take the 
point, necessary evil. It's actually how the how the human mind works. We it's create stories. stories all the time. Yeah, yeah. We are wired for stories. So I think it's a natural it's a natural impulse to put a story into into a painting. And the story that we're wired for about ourselves is kind of an unknown to us. Yeah. Right? It, it, and it changes. Just like everything you just said doesn't strike me as a contradiction. It actually starts strikes me as the way it works. So You know something, like if you just paint a single portrait, it's not much of a narrative. If you put two people in the same painting, suddenly there is mm-hmm. a narrative. That's, that's right. And it can be a pretty ambiguous one. But it suddenly suggests some sort of a story. Or a figure, uh, say, against a blank background compared to one in a landscape. Suddenly, it presents a story. And that's enough of a story. I, I remember seeing, and I've done this in my own paintings, like like uh, a, um, a still life or something, or, or something where it would be like a, a scene of a room. And there's no human beings in this room, but there might be a coffee cup or a plate on the ground. And how did it get there? Why is it there? Why is there like crumbs of food there? So all of a sudden, I'm thinking, what happened? There's a story. Somebody was in the room. Are they just off? Just off? You know, the 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 picture plane, just to the right of it, or something like mm-hmm. that. And all of a sudden, I'm something that would seemingly be just a still life is now a story is being weaved and what's going on and there's a little mystery to it or you know all the other things that we love like oh it's beautiful and all this stuff which I care about deeply but I also like at times feeling like huh what's going on in this and and and, and it's almost like somebody throwing out a hook and hooking me mm-hmm. into I this thing I think humans are like that we are storytelling animals yes. and mm-hmm. so yes. you can take a still life of two bananas and an apple and like you and eventually right. you get there and then this right. one's a happy banana yeah. <laughs> like we just our exactly. imagination like starts going with these simple yeah. like construction of objects is what we do in our imaginative playground of our mind and I, th- I love narrative my background was actually in theater and uh-huh. so like the stories that we tell about our lives and and what things mean. I think narrative is incredibly important because like narrative is the difference between, oh my God, you just went through two years of something really, really difficult, but then you got to X and it made all of that challenge and struggle meaningful and you were like and it, it made a like a positive impact into your life. Yeah. As opposed to just like two years of like it just kinda sucked. Mm-hmm. And and it's the story we tell about right. what our lives and meaning that, that make the difference. And the other thing I love about narrative is that like we as painters get super excited about the composition and the pictorial space and like the cerulean blue and my like As Michael like Harding yellow green. that I love green. And, oh, and the green. color green, green. green. Love it. but but the people but my audience like they don't actually care which I mean they do care but they don't they don't care about it the way I care about it or we so, care about it right? and the subject, I don't know though sometimes but the I... subject matter but the subject then it gives them a doorway it gives them like an entry point right. in to like my pictorial right. universe and then we can like meet in the middle and like have a conversation because they are interested in the narrative. Yeah. And I'm, you know, and I have I'm interested in the green. Well, one of the one of the narratives that I've actually explored is can I actually share when I the the love of green or cerulean blue in a painting can if I'm really present when I'm placing that blue or that green in my painting will somebody feel that thing and that's like a that's like to me a, sort of a 
narrative a doorway to do I leave a trace of the way I felt when I was painting it in the painting? Mm, yeah. And I, I was really, really interested in exploring that idea. I mean, maybe like five or ten years ago. Can people feel, if, if I'm there, right, can they feel it? So can uh, my love for green be felt? That was a question. I mean, See, now you, what you're talking about, is, it moves from what I wanted to talk about. Okay. The, um, what you wanted to talk about? Mm-hmm. I'm so, sorry. So, no, 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 you are. You, you did you redirect. We moved it. to what you wanted yeah, to talk about. Yeah, which okay. is um, narrative. That's one thing. But how do you talk about beauty? You talk about it as a love of a color. Mm-hmm. Well, we're tonight, green. Okay. <laughs> it, it, tomorrow could be uh, purple. It doesn't matter. Okay. 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 I think that's the joke. Yeah, that's if the joke. I'm, if I'm, if I'm in on the joke, you are. always return to the joke, right? If I'm in on the joke, I'm not back. sure. It could be going right past me. <laughs> okay. But um, how do you... Okay, it's easy to talk about narrative. How do you talk about beauty? Yeah, that's interesting. I have a thought, but I have a lot of thoughts. But I spent a lot of time alone in Iowa. The <laughs> <laughs> thing that happens in Iowa is cornrows well, and soybeans. Well, well, let me ask you this. If we... Maybe we all agree that talking about beauty is a difficult but important thing. Because it's hard to, 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 to grasp something that's seemingly so elusive and, and, and how to describe it thoughtfully. So maybe, maybe, I don't, I don't know, because maybe a narrative, like having the ability to tell a really great story can lend itself to tell, to express the idea of beauty a little bit clearer to people who don't have that, that something that is hard to describe that why we like to get together, why people, why I think people like even the podcast, because there's a sense that there's this community that we all understand each other without having to, let's say, be so eloquent in how to describe this thing. You know, we, I can almost say something and Patty would look at me and be like, I know what you're talking about. But I didn't do it Actually, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, You know, can I um, ask Karen Kravitz to talk about that? Because you're a writer and I know you've thought about these things. Beauty. How do you talk about it? And what what is it? You know, we feel it. We sort of know. So there's a mystery right there. But I, I actually am interested in the idea that beauty isn't the end. Beauty is actually the doorway to an elevated moment. Like, beauty is a doorway to, I, I don't know, one might call it a vertical moment. I don't know how you would describe that, that uh, experience of the sublime in your being, right? And I feel like beauty is an access point. And if we, if we say beauty, we stop at beauty, I think beauty's an invitation. It isn't the final thing. That, that was the theory I was going to say. I mean, and, and it sort of... Sort of the final thing. What, what, beauty's like a means to get you involved in a narrative? Or what would you say? No, no. I think beauty is a means to actually open yourself up to a, a, a higher level of consciousness. Like a moment. Fair enough. For sure. That. So that's what I mean. So I think that's its job. Right? 
I think that's his job. It feeds us in that way, you know? And well, you hate that because what? what, what? <laughs> no, no, I mean I, I don't hate that. Okay, but, but, but I, yeah, okay, blah blah. Go, go but I here. have a, I'm having, I'm, I'm have this feeling. There's something about this conversation about beauty that troubles me, because I feel like when artists, and especially like in our field, we right. kind of get onto this conversation of beauty. We actually get off the point that we're interested in talking about because people get distracted by the conversation about, well, what does beauty mean, and how do we get to it? And well, that's what I mean about it. It's a hard vague. thing to describe, it's a hard but we kind of know it when we see it. And I, hmm, and beauty true. is like it's pornography. A, you kind of know film. it when you see it. <laughs> but, but I think it's actually more useful. That's one of the reasons I think narrative is actually a little bit easier to talk about because yeah. you don't get down into the weeds of this other conversation. And that other conversation, like thinking about actually what Mandy Thais talked about, you know, um, mm -hmm. you get distracted yeah. by this conversation about, there's a lot of people who think beauty is really not important. Mm -hmm. And if you find yourself into that territory and having that conversation, that's the only conversation. So if you're having other conversations about like maybe narrative yeah. or meaning or like what your intention as an artist yeah. is, like that's what I want to hear. Is because important to you? It's terribly important to me. Yeah. But I think we could spend all night talking about beauty being important to me and beauty being important to you and not actually have insight that is helpful to anybody yeah. out there. So I think other conversations help us triangulate to something that moves that conversation forward. Mm -hmm. Peter, it seemed like you were going to jump. Well, I'm just thinking that beauty has different connotations to different listeners. Yeah. And yeah. I'm thinking of right. the phrase beauty pageant. Dan, your work is not depicting beauty pageant contestants. Thankfully. I'm sorry. I appreciate but it. they are more beautiful than that. Appreciate that. Okay. So that is where Patty comes in saying the word beauty complicates and confuses a lot of outsiders because that ain't what you're doing. And that's not what she's doing either. Right. And so I want to set that aside because so much of the public thinks of beauty pageants with the word beauty. Wow. Um, that's so, a, I never even thought of that. But a, push it aside. Terrible. You're talking about a deeper truth, a deeper thing. I'm not sure what that word is. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I praised somewhere today Rackstraw Downs, who paints banal scenes of roadsides and empty fields with electric wiring. They're beautiful mm -hmm. to Why? me, but they're not classically beautiful. Because Beauty they're felt. Well, they're, they're, they're sincere. They're human being I mean, I the, exactly. That's, and I think the opposite of beauty is probably like no, what no, we see no, 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 that commitment, that incredible like commitment to sincerity, I think that's really where it comes yeah. from. It's just, it's not, that's what I was saying. I was taking yeah, away yeah. the power of beauty because yeah. it's actually, we really want to move somewhere else. And I think that's why in contemporary, the contemporary art world, why they're fed up with beauty. Because I think beauty became like the word God. Do you mind if I say it? I love the word. Say it. Say it. All right, I don't know. We just have donations. We should talk about uh, anything. What? Beauty can By the have way, a specific meaning, though. Yeah, we, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, and who defines it though? But people have been arguing about what that meaning is for 2,000 years, and we're not going to answer that in the next hour. But we can try. Yeah, I mean, well, okay. I mean, I think we could. I'd rather talk about, I'd rather talk awesome about sincerity. Like, I love yeah. that. Like, yeah. we're in yeah. this postmodern moment, yeah. right? You know, and yeah. we've got beauty, But beauty's the most sincere thing there is. It's, it's devoid of irony. 
And, and you know what? And there's consensus on beauty, a surprising amount of consensus. Not 100% agreement, but there can be, uh, uh, you know, when a... I think there's consensus about pretty, about what makes a pretty girl and a pretty boy. But that changes. I don't think there's consensus about beauty. That changes with time, though. Well, fashion. Like fashion and like I don't know. I don't think this is. A, I don't think we want to move it to a semantical argument. I think Daniel's talking about something else. Well, for example, like uh, there, there's a, a landscape painting by Frederick Church in in San Francisco, the Young Museum. It's a sunset. Oh, I love that painting. So good. You know, you know so well. I just. I don't know who could not be moved by the beauty of that mm -hmm. painting. Is sure. that beautiful? I think that's tr that, yeah. that's true. I think sure. anybody in sound mind <laughs> would go up to that and be like, I think we can all agree that that's stunning. But I would argue that Rackstraw Downs makes beautiful pictures too. Yeah. Because there's a kind of truth in them, well, just a, like the there's, church. There's such thing as ugly beauty. Yeah. And it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And, and there's sad beauty. There's sad beauty. I don't know. Sincere. I'd like to turn the phrase to felt experience. Okay. So, and, and I mean, I just. That's true. It's a lesson. And I think that's what the contemporary term. art world's really interested in. I actually mm -hmm. think that they're trying to actually have people have felt experience. But I think they're interested that's true. in sincerity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, and, and, and it looks, you know, and I think we have an especially difficult challenge using materiality, using images and using images that we can recognize and actually trying to have and create felt experiences for people. I think we're actually doing one of the hardest forms of art because you can go into, I mean, I was at, we were asked, you had us uh, ask a, a question about people were inspired by, and I remember um, the, this uh, felt experience that I had with uh, Michelle Robner, you guys seen his piece where yeah. he, you look in the petri dishes? Do you remember in, yeah. at the Venice Biennale? Yeah. Well, you, you, you walk into the piece, it's an installation, and you walk in, you see these petri dishes, and when you really look, they look like ants, and then you look again, and they're actually people, and they're that small, and then you go into another room, and it's completely a, a completely square room. Do you remember it? Mm -hmm. And there's all these figures in silhouette walking all the way around you, and you sit, and the, uh, the music was there, yeah. and the whole thing, and I was like. You know, I mean, what do I say? I met my maker. I met something. Mm -hmm. I met. I felt. Sure. I felt, and That's I felt effective. myself feeling. Yeah. I had an awareness of myself feeling. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. I think that that's really interested to, but, interesting to the contemporary world, and I think I'm interested in trying to figure out how to put it in a painting. Okay, but, but I don't know if I know how. But I actually feel something when I see your work, Daniel. Mm. Right. Interesting to hear there was something like that at the Venice Biennale. I never yeah. was aware of that. Oh, that's yeah. that's yeah. Um, almost shocking news. Uh, you yeah. know what? If you would have, I'm telling you, I know for sure you would have been moved. That's yeah. so wonderful. Like that's, that's really, that's good news. It's one of the that's most so stunning nice. experiences that's I've so ever nice. had. Yeah, yeah. What's the name of the artist again? Because people are going to Michelle Robner? Michael Robner. Say I'm Hold on, you know what? Robner. This yeah. is why technology is awesome. How yeah. do you spell that? I don't have a smartphone. M-I-C-H-A-L. M-I-C-H-A-L. Michael. <laughs> what? what? Do you think there was... Do you think... And what's the last name? Robner. I, I, I haven't seen it, but do you think that was slipped in unawares and the jury of the Vince <laughs> Pinali didn't, didn't get it? And that's... If they had, it wouldn't have been accepted. No, no, I think there's a uh, renewed, I think there's a lot of interest no. in that. Well, right. Even yeah. silly things like the rain room, like people hmm. like that because it gives you this intense feeling. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's the same intense feeling that you have in front of that church 
sunset, sure. right? You just want a feeling. Right. Yeah. You but, just want, like, um, but, but, but it, says, it says something to a viewer who can, actually can experience it looking at a painting yeah. mm -hmm. of a sunset. Yeah. I mean, that says something about the viewer that can that they that they have an ability to have a felt experience in front of that in front of a still image and they can see and that's when that question that's where that question i had that's how it kind of derived for me like what do i leave that they can feel now i don't know it all right but i was really curious as if i feel it while i'm making it is there something have left? you ever gotten it like probably have you ever gotten like emails or like you know, Tony, have you ever gotten emails or like notes from people who like tell you something about your painting and how they felt that you're mm -hmm. like, yeah, uh, uh, tell a story about that because I think maybe, probably we've all had that experience. Where it's, people it's the are, best thing they ever. read into it, they read into like back to the even, just, just the like way to start this off. Just about like the how I felt, yeah. And, and, and what was funny is in Daniel's uh, movie last night when you were talking. I think it was your daughter. People would go up to her and say, "Well, the, the roses represent this and this mm. and that." And 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 Daniel goes, "Well, I just kind of like the the color of the roses, the way they look, the way they look." And the people were reading so deeply into this thing. But who is it? I mean, who is it? It's not my job to 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 stop them. That's right. No. If they're reading into it and seeing it as a narrative or seeing a story or relating it to their experience in their lives. That's what they should do. Awesome, right? That's possible. I'll, I'll tell you one one photo. I, there's a couple of photos I wanted to put up. You know, just to, on this one was um, if Bill's back there. Bill, can you put up that that first that Caravaggio painting? So we all know this. Mm -hmm. this, this painting, mm -hmm. the calling of Saint Matthew. Uh, it has every it has the beauty. It has the the drama. It has the the narrative that that. And again, I, I don't necessarily have a strong opinion either way. But it's something that I was wanted to explore in my head. So that, that's a, 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 an older painting, you know. And, and, and Bill, if you could put the next one up, another narrative example is Andrew Wyeth's Christina's World. World. So I didn't know what this painting was about when I first saw it as a kid. And then when I found out the story behind it, I was like, oh, I liked it even more because it was so right. dramatic and so powerful. And do you all know the story? Christina's weird. The, we the disability. The disability, and she would drag herself right. up to that house every day, and he saw it, and he saw it every day, and he just was so moved by the fact that she was dragging herself up to this house. That he's like, and, and I forgot what he said in, in the... Um, in the uh, in his biography, but it was something like I was so fucking moved by it. like he even yeah. used it like yeah. so moved by it that I had to paint it yeah. and, and and I I was like I I love this painting now because of not only is it beautifully done but it had so like there was that story behind it that I was like I can latch onto that too but there's also that real commitment like that he's so fucking moved by yeah. that story that but he and I think it's the human it. story it's yeah. the human story of like her just tenacity and her fierce independence in spite of her disability and his being so moved by that and that's the kind of energy and passion that compels you to be able to work on a piece like that and bring it to that level of resolution over that many hours you know when you have something that has like that much like meaning then yeah, you can work on it for two years, David Casson, and be like, yeah, I still right. care about this right. project that right. I'm trying to make that I'm going to, like, show because because it has a narrative. I'm, that, I'm okay. Like, I'm okay with the fact... That, all of that effort. I'm okay with the fact that, Tony, that you needed 
The story? I didn't need the story. Mm -hmm. I no, love the painting. Love the painting. Mm -hmm. But, but the it story just enhanced the story. Yeah. Listen, yeah. I'm not saying. I'm, I'm That's right. One. In fact, I'd like to posit that it really yeah. isn't the narrative that makes it a beautiful painting. And I, I really, genuinely love that painting of Andrew Wise. Mm -hmm. But it, it's really that shadow under her arm. It's the intervals, placement, yeah. rhythms. It's the rhythm in the grasses. It's it's uh, the soft shadow. Uh, those are the things that are really beautiful. Uh, the inner, the uh, narrative could come and go. It could be any number of different stories. But I don't disagree with you, but and that and what you're saying is what first got me in. But it just like I was saying when I found the story, it just made it a little better. You were about. I was going to say Sorry. that's exactly what I mean about the audience. You want to say something? Because Daniel's totally right. Yeah. About totally right. Absolute the you know the artistic composition and the, you know you're totally right. You see all of that, but n most people who go to the Museum of Modern Art and see it, they don't. But they care about the narrative, and so then you get to have a conversation, and that painting gets to matter for decades. You know, it gets to matter because because it's a narrative that communicates not just with you because you have this genius about artistic creativity, but it matters to other people because they have an entry point into a universe that matters. Right. Do you want to say something, David? I just really yeah. quick. David, I just feel like when, every time you guys say beauty, I feel like I can replace the word with love. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, because love is completely subjective, and and us as artists all love these things that Daniel talks about with painting. Mm -hmm. And we love those shadows. We love the rhythm of the grass. We love, I love the windows and the shadows underneath the windows and, and the resolution mm -hmm. that's in different areas that cause mm -hmm. the, the distance from her to the house, you know, that we get within painting. And, and I don't necessarily like the word beauty, but I love the word love. Mm -hmm. And I think that every time you say that, I'm like, he just, he loves it. Right. You, I love in truth. Because mm -hmm. you just love, we love painting, we love being involved in the painting, we love it's the true. people we paint. And I just feel like that, sorry to interrupt. No, it's not an interrupt, it's exactly what we want. It's, Ooh, the, it, it's uh, semantically, the words are pretty interchangeable. Yeah. It's good. Well, I think, I think that the contemporary art world doesn't want beauty because, I, because it's, the vernacular of beauty is, is it, it's defined as being very superficial. Mm. You know what? It's the worst thing that we want. And love sincerity, we want truth. Yeah. We want an authentic experience in our paintings because we want people to feel the same authentic experience that we had making the painting. Mm -hmm. You know, love's vulnerability, and that's yeah. dangerous. Right. And right. It, it's much safer to be cynical yeah. and mm -hmm. ironic. Right. And I think that's true about narrative, too. It's dangerous to make to make a statement that something has meaning and you think it should have meaning to someone else because you're daring to assert that you you actually have an idea and you want someone else to think the, about your idea as opposed to, hey, it means like whatever you whatever. want it right, to. Right, 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 relativism. Right? Sure. I find that yeah. kind of a little bit of a cowardice mm -hmm. point of view mm -hmm. that I mean, people it's really, it's really like It's like, hey man, it just means whatever you want it to mean. It's right. like, no, I want to know what you, I want to know what you, Ted, I want to know what you think. And then I can agree or disagree. Yeah. But that gives, that's, I love that. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it is a lot more difficult to hang a painting like Christina's World or anything from Sir Sprick. On your wall. Yeah. Right, it's a commitment to it's something. It's a commitment yeah. to something. Yeah. And it's, it's a real thing. I mean, and then an abstraction. Yeah. It's really funny to me because, you know, abstraction kind of came into the world as like this thing that was like, 
so daring so this and I'm like wait a minute those are the safest paintings you could actually buy well you can well, you can describe it in any way and okay, exactly. nobody would disagree hold with you on, hold on to we need to step <laughs> back Peter get on this this is why we did this it's just easier to digest we need to recognize how damaged the art world was by World War II yes I'm with you and fascism right, and I'm with just you. as we talk about the Shoah we need to talk about the fact that art was hijacked right. by the right wing by Hitler, right. by Mussolini, right. and so right. on. And I'm so with you. I'm with art you. changed after the war, and so it was dangerous and worrisome to express something sincere because it was perceived as message making, right. right? Right, right, right. So we're still recovering from that damage. Right. And I think we've moved on now. It's been X decades. But we also since still the war. have those cultural trends that make us very nervous about propagandistic. Correct. Yes. It's, it's still alive. Still I mean, right. look, we're messing with some crazy stuff right now. We are. So this is charged, right? I think why we need that kind of sincere like meaning again, I that agree. moral. Well, that's right. That's why so this is coming yeah. back. The time has come. I mean, like, art uh, was really truly hijacked by uh, in World War II by Adolf Hitler, and he was well, used sure. for propagandistic purposes. And sure. and uh, Hitler loved actually good stuff. He loved Vermeer and Karl. Well, not I don't know if he loved the irony, right? And Wagner and and, uh, sure. um, and it kind of ruined it for yeah. uh, uh, right. for subsequent generations. And so right. know, the flowering of. Uh, Abstract expressionism, sure. which basically is the safest thing in the world. Safe. Doesn't mean I agree shit. entirely. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I, I love that they did it. I'm so grateful that I was born in the yeah. 20th century, the oh, late great. 20th century, so I could have all this exploration. Yeah. Because I think the, this idea, I was laying in bed and thinking about this idea of process and revealing process. Right, mm -hmm. which is the well, big. You mean in your in your work? In the abstract world. In the abstract. Okay. Uh, in the in, in all of our worlds, right? In our yeah. world too, right? Painterly qualities. Painterly qualities, surface. right? This yeah. surface, right? Yeah. Why does that resonate? Why does that have something that's being um, received, well received? And that, it strikes me as very similar to an experience that I had at the Met when I was looking at the Egyptian reliefs. You know, the, in the the mm -hmm. Met. And I'm looking at it there, and I was just sensitive enough to actually transcend time and feel a 500-year-old hand having made it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I that's just really felt an experience. It. So some part of me mm -hmm. touched, holy cow, another human being touched this. So process that's left in this abstract, the, 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 the movement of abstraction and why they love processes, because it reveals the hand. It reveals the nervous system. It reveals, it, it even reveals like non-commitment. But I think that the, I'm once again, kind of, so my last thought, because I had this yes. when I was sleeping last night, and I didn't know we were going to talk about this. And I was like, I didn't think I'd ever have anything interesting to say ever again, but it came to me. <laughs> and I don't know, you it's still up whether it's interesting or not. But, but I was thinking, you know, they're talking now a lot about AI coming in, all right? And we're going to watch machines make paintings. Mm -hmm. We know that. It's this. already happening. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. But we are going to watch machines really make paintings. Yeah. And I think that if we don't acknowledge this, uh, the resonance that I felt with that Egyptian piece, mm -hmm. or the resonance that we feel about process, the resonance, resonance of the human making, Okay. If we don't 
Can we talk about the oratic qualities of art? Oratic? Or erotic? What does that mean? Oratic? Oratic means I'm not smart enough like to understand one's the oratic. Aura, right? Or, oh, the aura. Okay. What is the word? Oratic. Like aura. Like we have an aura. And so that's like this magic that you experience in like a 500-year-old drawing mm -hmm. that's just on this fragile piece of paper and it's just like with the mm -hmm. black chalk and you're like, dude, like... Michael and was on that paper. So, and that gives us all this amazing I mean, let's lay it and down. I believe that matters. Let's I lay it down. I totally. Let's matters. lay it down. Let's lay yeah. it down as a challenge to all humanity, and the, right? Yeah, and that's with why art. I think it matters. Heard it here first and you know, suggested AI donation. comes in, what's the biggest challenge to AI? What's the biggest challenge of those paintings yeah. is? You can't have a felt experience. I mean, you well, won't have this thing that you're saying. Jeff and we're going to say you have challenged by by the rope, the AI paintings because of Jeff Koons. But, but like, they you know, why do we even have to take that seriously? We know he knows it's a joke. We know it's capitalism. We know it's a reflection of capitalism. We're okay with that because that's another part of this message. I'm sorry, I'm getting really tense. No, I love it. Well, this is the whole purpose of the podcast. Is it's a hang more than like an interview or anything. And this is exactly what yeah, but I think is important. I don't want to like get kicked off. Trust me, we'll be lucky if Eric ever asks Ted and I to come. Never come back. He's watching you. So we might as well like get it all out. And that's that's love too. That's love too. Right? That that like you know that that your personal emotion, your personal experience, your personal energy somehow does mystically get locked into the matrix of this thing that you're making. Of course. And it's somehow that all that kinetic energy gets locked into the potential energy of the artwork that is this surface that somehow mystically transmits that information to other people who are sensitive, who can receive it now and receive it 200 years from now. So let's say, let's say, okay. we need to intend sensitive beings in the okay. future. But we need it. Humanity needs it. The sale of the AI-created painting last week or the week before for $400,000 is a threat. We have to worry about that. How do we communicate to consumers? I can't worry about that. We can afford I mean, to even think about the art market. Yeah. I'm hoping it's, it's just a novelty, novelty that will right. come and go. Well, yeah. I hope that's exactly right. My, my concern like is simply that younger yeah. people oh. may not understand the erratic right. appeal. And that's why what Mandy's doing with starting them out young whether it's about learning to make art or just to acknowledge the fact that someone made Mandy art. Mandy from the Da Vinci Mandy Tice, who gave a talk the, about Da Vinci, da Vinci Initiative, Initiative, which is doing good work. So right now people are like listening to this being like, well, who is oh, Mandy? Oh, sorry. You're right. You're right. Uh, it was yesterday. She was brilliant. Another presenter about, at the Facebook. Thank you. <laughs> So, uh, Da Vinci Initiative, is that the, the same thing you were talking about about a year ago? Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so, start him young, obviously. Um, I, I'm not sitting up at night worrying about that ridiculously ugly, stupid AI portrait, but they could get more precise soon enough. They're going to. And that's Let's not just accept good. Relatively quick, quickly, they will get yeah, more precise. Yeah, why wouldn't they? Like everything It's going to happen faster than you think. Right. But I'm with Daniel. The novelty's going to But it's a gimmick. Actually, yeah. It's a gimmick, but mm -hmm. there are enough dumb people out there with $400,000 to waste, by the way. Well, I mean, not, what the hell? Why don't, I mean, well, let's, let's, not call them, let's not call them dumb. Let's call them gullible. Okay. Yeah, it's marketing. Yeah, no. it's the, I, the thing, thing is, is unfortunately, right now we're in this moment where actually even the art market really doesn't care, hmm. and the general public doesn't care. I, had, I, I think I've told this story to a couple people, and I've told it to you, Peter. But 
I admire Kahindi Wiley's work because I like the way that he's creating these really powerful images of people of color and um, the people who attend his shows like really reflect, reflect the world that I want to see. But you know, I think a lot of that kind of work is produced with, it must be because of the volume of it, produced by assist, with the, the help of assistants. So I went to see his show. It was really powerful. At the Brooklyn Museum. At the Brooklyn Museum. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I was, I'm very interested in this concept. And so I started kind of just pulling, like, pulling aside bystanders to, like, say, to ask them, you know, what do you think of this work? Does it matter to you? Like, if I tell you now that, like, this work is produced not just by Kahindi Wiley, but by, like, assistants and, like, you know, does that matter? And to a person, like I talked to like 10 different people, like people on the street, and they're like, oh no, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. Because like, that's a cultural moment that, so like this is something that we really care about, mm -hmm. I really care about, mm -hmm. but most people really don't care about. Okay. And mm -hmm. that I want to know more about, like mm -hmm. how, do I, how do I make something that I really care about matter to more people? Mm -hmm. sure. But I think that that's like people being a little bit more sensitive when they look and looking a little That's bit harder right. because when I walked through that show, I remember seeing one painting that just stopped me in my tracks and mm -hmm. it looked like it was very small and it actually, I, honestly, I thought it might have been a Will Wilson painting. It was beautiful, so yeah. good yeah. and it was beautifully painted I and I think it was an earlier painting and I mm -hmm. assume that he painted it himself and mm -hmm. I think he's probably quite a talented painter. Right. But then I walked through the rest of the show and all of those paintings were kind of a, an idea, but they, the paintings themselves were hollow. There was no life in them. And I, I, I mean, I just, I thought, and I, I, I had heard rumors that his, you know, he sends photographs to China and mm -hmm. paintings come mm -hmm. back and mm -hmm. that he really has very little to do with a lot of his paintings. I have no idea if that's true, but uh, that one painting certainly was radically different and there was some commitment there, some sincerity there that wasn't present in the other paintings. And I think the average person walking through that show isn't looking hard enough or long enough and isn't really thinking, you know, in that kind of depth. David? What's the difference between an AI painting and someone who has it painted for them? Well, that's my point. No, is no. I don't think there is. Right. So that's, well, so this the, is what's scary. Yeah. <laughs> well, but until the computer <laughs> like the AI is just a gimmick. Like, but do we already have that? Are we that's already exactly in that? Right. That's I don't know if we could actually. In about 20, 30 years. No, you guys just, understand. If we, if we could actually I mean, say. That's where it, it might do better paintings than we could. It's a different yeah. kind of outsourcing, you, but I don't think it's that different. With art history, you know how there's a pendulum that swings, right? So you have neoclassicism. Then you have romanticism and everything but, swings. But, but, Do you think that there'll be a point where it swings be, towards DIY, but, like it's, us it's, doing it versus you know, being well, done well, Historically, there's probably. always been... Uh, is it 100 uh, years and we're going to miss it? Sure. Me mechanized, <laughs> mass-produced things have, have, have never really quite been cherished like handmade things. Right. And, and there comes the emotion and the love. Right. Right. And the imperfection of Yes, but see, that I think that I, I do think you're right that we're less ephemeral. I think that, that the average person, the average person has a great deal of trouble living on the planet and really actually experiencing their lives. Let's just admit it. So we say the average person, we get on stage and we say the average person has a great deal of trouble having a sincere life. And well, we say, I, I think no, we can no, no, all agree say, that life is not yeah, easy to talk. Exactly. My point is that creates a challenge. 
What is it to have a meaningful life? What, I mean, if we have a comfortable life, we don't really look for meaning, right? And we're saying, there's something more. And we're like, our, I feel like my job is actually to tell you that there's a world behind the world. I think I was heard it in your, DVD, your, your movie last night, that there's, a, there's a, a second meaning behind this. And I think this, this is exactly the great challenge. I mean, we are, just, we are just looking at it from the perspective of painting right now. But this is the challenge. This is the challenge for AI. This is all of this. I mean, what, what's consciousness? What is this? What is all that? So there we are. What does it mean to be a human being? What does it really mean to be a human being living on the planet now? I'm done. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel optimistic in that I do think that there are a lot of signs that culturally and that younger generations are actually increasingly disinterested in things that are mass produced and increasingly interested in making their own pickled watermelon rinds right. and smocked aprons yes. yeah, exactly. and right, you, know, like, you know the people want to make their own right. things and if it's not perfect and if it's not but it's but they made it themselves and it's unique and it's meaningful yeah. this, and I think that that's actually this huge cultural trend and I think that the atelier movement was kind of actually the the one of the beginning indications of that in culture. Exactly, that's what the, I'm saying. Just the craft of it, the just, repetition, the, the practice of drawing, like it, it in itself is meaningful. It's meaningful to me, and I structure my life around it. But it's up against something so huge mm. in like industrialized everything, and like I, I think maybe the novelty of having something that's like perfectly machine made is. You know, existed at one time, and I think it's it's over. And people like the imperfection of handmade things. But anytime you get somebody, you know, doing their own pickle rinds, it's or whatever watermelon pickled watermelon rinds. Um, whenever that happens, and they start to get popular and excited, some big company buys it and figures out how to like ruin it with machines and mass produce it. And there's so many people in the world. You can't have that many pickle Whatever. But I think what it highlights is humans' search for understanding about yeah. how to have a meaningful life. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I think that this, I'm equally excited about this younger generation. I'm, I'm, I feel like they have had, must have had great parents, right? They told them that there's mm -hmm. something there. And I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled because I actually think it's almost like a corrective it's like it's like a, a, an organic corrective that humanity is. They're like preparing for when they're 50, right? This movement is. They, these people. I, I tell them when I meet young people, I'm like, man, you know, it's your job to save the world. I mean, we totally have screwed it up. Oh, yeah. You guys, and that's why you guys are interested in this thing because this is what's going to be on your plate. And so I feel like I feel like people are making people who will have this resonance. All right, I'm going to take you up one, okay. Rose, which is that I think that <laughs> one of our jobs yeah. here as, as, as figurative artists, as painters, is I think a lot about what are the paintings that my daughter needs to see in 20 years? Yeah. What's the painting that she That's needs great. to go to the museum and just like get her shit together and be like, okay, things are really that hard, is. but what is it that I need to see right now to be fed? That's mm -hmm. a great and question. I think that we need to be making those paintings for our children, who we kind of gave a shit bag to, <laughs> that in 20 <laughs> years are going to need help, you know? Well, and, at least and we can give them those paintings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those questions. Right, and so, yeah. you know, work, that labor, meaning... Yes. 
Beauty, love, sincerity. Right? Can, can you describe at all what those paintings would be would, appear, would look like? Because I'll you start can, painting them. I will. No, I did. I think needs. I think we need to tell them that we were actually paying attention. Right. And we that were we trying. weren't actually all fiddling while Rome was burning. Yeah. Right. Right. That if they look back and they say those assholes, not only did they fuck up the world, but then they just like frittered away. Like what were they? Eating? We shrugged our shoulders. Right. And we're like, oh, sorry. Whatever. You know. You know I couldn't, I, be, I couldn't be bothered. But what, what's interesting is I've seen from different places. You know, we're we're, we're artists, but you. You know, I love like skateboarding and, and sort of counterculture ways we, we grew up. And I was I was listening to a TED talk with this like legendary not skate, me. not you, no. a TED <laughs> uh, this TED talk with the legendary old school skateboarder guys. It's like a I really deep, really deep thinker. This guy Rodney Mullen, and he has a few things on on uh, on on YouTube you can check out. And he was talking about similar things, the parallels of what we do, and he. I was looking at it as an artist, but he was talking about skateboarding. But the idea, idea. you can apply this to anything in your life. And one of the things he said is like, for the love of doing it, do it for the love of doing it. I get up and I do all these things. And he was getting pretty deep for a skate. You're like skateboarder. How deep can a skateboarder (laughs) get? And it was deep. And I've listened to a lot of like deep things and he was like um, <laughs> but he was talking about do it just for the love of doing it and 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 it resonated to me because I do think we do that I think we all have to make a living mm-hmm. and we have to feed our families mm-hmm. but I don't know if I'll change much because I do need to have for the love of doing it and it's something that I'm still searching for on how to create it in a way so I can still do it for the love of doing it mm-hmm. and not have the other things taint it. Mm-hmm. So I do agree with that. You well, know? maybe they taint it today, but they don't taint it tomorrow. Right? But what ends up happening is I'm hoping happen. Patty and my and yeah. all of our children in 20 years will look at that work and know that they did it for the love of doing it. Yeah, and I, it, I and love that's that. that's profound because I, I do that. think that's something that will stay outside of the trends actually, and outside of the, the stuff that is going to come and go. I actually think we're actually coming to something in this conversation right I do. well that's what we're trying two things her question her question wow put that in our pocket every one of us should put that in our yeah, pocket I think it's just what painting a, what I painting think it's would smart I you know what that's and, really good it, like if it's the last painting you're ever going to get to do yeah and that you want to be remembered by or, and we or, should do all of our work that way yeah to leave to leave for people who need it in 20 years yeah. right yeah. some and consolation think, some hope and then, and, then, right and then if if I can't do that because could I just love do it for the love of doing it and and there's the thing I but mean, I think we need I mean, to both let's have both those are two good challenges right? you know you're going to love doing it if, uh, more if it comes out to your liking yeah Right, I'm with you. That helps. I think we do. I think we can listen and learn from like the younger people, like people. You know, we all have kids. You know, and if we can listen carefully to like how they see the world, and kind of like even just be like serve them a little bit. You know, I think that's a that will guide that will guide me. I just I think about that's 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 something I feel like I can be guided by. Exactly. Like I don't necessarily know what the answer is. And the other thing is, but if I can listen and then see if I can help, then then maybe that's going to work. We ourselves have to be emotionally resilient enough to be prepared for the fact that they may not give a shit. Right. 
That's and, okay. And, and we just have to accept that. But I have died. I have died at least with a, with an attempt, with a sincere, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with a sincere. And then you can live with yourself. Yeah. If you, probably if you really care, they will. I think so. I, I feel that. Oh, like, that's a hope we can go. Yeah. People have cared. We we live this building right here. Somebody cared, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, we live in care all the time. It's just that nobody trains us to actually recognize it. I mean, I have a, a fun Iowa story. Times. <laughs> a fun one. I mean, I, I, th- I hope you can extrapolate and see what I mean. Chuck and I are driving in the gravel roads in Jackson County, Iowa, and uh, I was just looking at sunset, it's beautiful, and I'm looking at these fields, and I'm like, man, nobody ever robs all these farms. They have this tiny little fence that keeps what everything in, everything out. <laughs> Why are you it's thinking? so easy. She's like, I could have so easy. much corn right now. I follow, follow. All the time, she's like, there's no security. Uh, uh, they're completely uh, easily uh, robbed. But, yeah, okay. but, but we all have abided by something. Now it's like, do we ever? The code ever, of honor. Yeah, there's something, right? And we, do we ever celebrate the 99.99 percent people who don't? Rob, all the time, <laughs> who don't, right? Don't so, steal so, don't. so, like, I think caring, <laughs> caring is, a, is a, similar to that thought, right? It's there all the time. Somebody, somebody arranged all these chairs in this room. Have we even thought about the fact that somebody arranged these chairs? We're very interested in the fact that this person could see over this person's shoulder. Now, we can say, oh, yes, that's actually something they learned. But somebody did care enough to actually understand that. At some point, so we would have this experience. So I think, like, if we begin, I think, if we begin to acknowledge it in our own lives, right, it will, we will leave a trace, okay? We will leave a trace for other people to receive. Yeah. So I have this, I'm one more, and I'm done. God, <laughs> you said that a couple of times. <laughs> These guys don't we don't want you to be done by yeah, now. We want you to continue on. So I, so, I had this, so I had this little experiment I did. Chuck and I drive. We come down here, we drive. Right, we're really interested in driving. I don't know. <laughs> I bring a lot you of have stuff, a fast so car. we always drive. But I had this thing for like two years. Two years. Every time I went to a restroom in all the public restrooms, I always left a cleaner. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you left it. Okay. I would a little clean cleaner it. than you found it. Then I found it, right? And I was you like, really I'm from Iowa. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's I actually, nice. I got a that idea Just in make New York. the world a little better. A little bit better. You do at the beach. That was the thing. Take a little something. Something off with me. Yeah. So would somebody feel that when the next person, right? When the next person went in, would they? Would I leave something that that could be uh, in that little bit, bit away a felt experience? Well, I, I've said this, I've said this on the podcast there before. There would be toilet paper stuck to their shoe. Yeah. When they get out there. But it was something I, I've said this Rose on the podcast before. So here. forgive me. You should just write it. You know, I do like. The graffiti thing, I'm like, oh, it was here. Yeah. Like, that's a totally different impression, isn't it? And that's actually the impression that we're living in, right? Where I have to make my mark. I usually make my mark by what? Some sort of, I'm going to say, some, I heard somebody else swear earlier, some sort of bullshit distinction yeah. of ego and some sort of bullshit distinction of language. Right? <laughs> you know, like, like oh, yeah, you know, writing that on that, the marker on that. I mean, that's the easiest way. It's easiest, the easiest way for me to leave, like Rose was here, to write it with a marker, but it's a lot more subtle, and it comes from a very different place to leave it a little cleaner. And it's a little better for society. It's a little bit better for society. (laughs) See, that's a really good uh, attitude, uh, uh, a conscious thing to internalize in your consciousness is, so you pick up trash on the beach and clean up the restrooms. 
And you make your artwork that way, too, trying to make your world just a little bit better place. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's I, sincere. I've said this on the podcast before. And, and beautiful. And um, You're good. There, loving. However we can do it. Yeah. No, it's beautiful, it's sincere, and it's loving. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, it's a real gesture. That's what okay, no, talk, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> the idea that I, I, I hold doors open for people. Yeah. And yeah, for, for a long time, I would hold it open, and somebody would walk through it and, and not say thank you, and I'd be like, you're welcome, <laughs> asshole. You know? And it was like, and I would do that because I was being just a little shit. You right. Know? Wrong but with me. But the, what I yeah. started realizing is, am I holding the door open for them, for or, them for or for me? Uh-huh. For yourself. And I started realizing I was holding it up for me because I wanted something in return. Exactly. And I wanted them to thank me and praise me and stuff and like that. you just returned to narrative. So you're stuck. Okay. But what I ended, when, when, it, when it dawned on me that I was doing that, because then I started thinking like, well, maybe they had a hard day. Maybe their mind is in a different place. Exactly. And maybe they didn't even realize that because they're having right. an issue. And maybe they're shitty, right. but maybe not. Most likely not. But it ended up me, because I liked actually doing it. And then I started realizing that I should just hold the door open because it's the right thing to do, regardless of what I get back. And once I almost realized that, it became better because exactly. then it didn't matter if they said thank you or not. Right. And if they did say thank you, cool, thanks. Like, right. I appreciate that. And, yeah. I, and you know, my day's a little, a little better. bit better. Right. And then hopefully I made their day a little bit better because maybe subconsciously they thought about this later on and, and maybe that made them put them into a Exactly. Time and it was a, a thing that I was just like, it, it, it kind of, I was like, huh, I was doing it. I was doing it incorrectly. And that's what I was saying. And when I first, the first thing about narrative, right, where we, we and, da- and connecting to Daniels, that, da- you know, I mean, I wish I were, I wish I were a person who put this more often into my, into painting. I mean, I really appreciate the fact that Daniel broke the uh, Christina's world down into the visual elements yeah. because it's like, oh God, I need because to have like 400% too. of that put into my being yeah. so I'd make better paintings. But this idea, that you're that you're touching upon mm-hmm. that this uh, uh, oh no I forgot my train of thought because I started think, visualizing Christine's <laughs> <laughs> because also can a you, drinking can you re- say re-anchor me uh, <laughs> can you Daniel do you know where I was going uh, yeah, I do uh, except I'm going to take it full circle good 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 oh, yes, the narrative uh, thing. Uh, yeah. well it's yeah, that, um, not too long ago a few months ago there was a lot on the radio about Leonard Bernstein it was yes. 100th birthday or something and there's a quote by him that's really meaningful it's that he said that um, you know I don't care about counterpoint and rhythm and interval and all this stuff it's just I only care about how, how a person feels mm-hmm. you don't have to understand it mm-hmm. and, and that way the music is for everyone not for other musicians, it's for everyone. And that's what we're doing with our artwork. Since we're artists, we do care about you know, technical things, that how to make something beautiful, but it doesn't matter to anybody else, and it shouldn't. Right. Just like, I don't really need to understand how an airline pilot flies the airplane, mm-hmm. as long as it gets me Although I'd like to know that they know how to fly an airplane <laughs> really well. It's awesome. <laughs> but to know... Uh, that portrait project I did, what was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Can you it's, describe that just really quickly for people who don't know? I think it's a really... I painted, cool. In a year, I painted 180 people from my town, mm-hmm. and I really only knew four of them. This is my <laughs> joke. Four of them well enough to brush my teeth in front of. Nice. And maybe eight to dinner. 
and that's it. And what was one of the fascinating things I, I received from these people was their necessity in my life. So the, the you people, so like you, so like we, I need to, I have this airplane guy who pilots the plane, right? Or the guy, do you ever, ever just think about the guy that opens up the convenience store? Somebody. How important that is to us to go and get our bread. Like, oh. thank you for being responsible. And, and you ever, do you ever, ever gone and like sat in a store where nobody shows up for five hours and gone again the next day? We almost had an audience like that. So today. when I painted those portraits, <laughs> exactly. When I painted those portraits, I met all these people whose lives are. So Oops, oops, sorry about that. Sorry, that's him, not me. But, but all these people who, who serve make my life better that I never see. That I, and all these ways that, like the guy that, the guy, there was a guy, and I wrote this in the book, but there's this guy, his job was actually to go and clean out people's houses when they died. Yeah. That's one of the jobs he created. And he created that job, not only did he create, he found that job and created it for himself, but he actually gave it, he hired kids who were troubled so they could also find, they couldn't find work anywhere else, but these kids were drug problems and this. So he gave them a life, right? But this is also the guy that brought, found the dirt. When you needed dirt for your garden or for your yard, this is the guy that would come in. I'm like, I'm sitting across and this guy had probably a second grade education. This guy's, when I did his interview, the one thing, the one thing, I mean, it still just blows my mind. The one thing he was most proud of it was that he was able to keep his home. And I know that his home didn't cost more than $10,000, right? That he earned enough money in his lifetime to keep his home. But he kept it. He kept it his entire life, right? And that's, and that's a hard To that's hear hard, that, right? So this guy goes unseen, necessary in our community. Necessary in our community. And so when I, so we, yes, I don't need to know about the airplane pilot, but if I acknowledge all these people that make my life so I can actually think about these greater things, I think, these, these idyllic things like beauty, love, you know, wh why we're here, what we're doing. The time, right? time it takes to paint, the time. Yeah, and so, so, then, so I say that's where we serve. Yeah. Right, that is where we serve. So we, we, we get to, uh, we have a great luxury to spend a lot of time thinking about these ideas. And it is important that we think about these ideas. It's important to humanity that we think about these ideas. It's important that we try to paint it. It's important that we fail to paint it. And it's important that we try to paint it again. I think yeah. the failure part is an incredibly important thing. Like, I think failing is... I don't want to do it, but I realize how important failing is. The teacher that is failure. How can we make it easier to I, fail? I don't know. Like, well, you do it by, by being, by being a good technician. You, don't, I don't fail you fail a little less. You know? but, you, but the f falling and you know, smashing your face on the right. ground is, is an incredible teacher. The purpose of failing is it's sort of trial and error right. and you figure out how to you're taking learn risks. lessons from that right. and how to get it right the next time. So like there's the baby, right? Yeah. So Tim Reese has his little baby here and you can see it, right? It's like this, it's like this, right? It's going like this. And I, so I learned this from something on PBS, right? Babies, all right? And all of a sudden they're in the crib and you look at them and it just looks like random movement to us, but some part of the brain, you like that? It's a really good look on you. Just so you know, just so you know, my whole visual world is not myself, right? Everybody I see is the world that I'm going to die with in my mind, and I don't know what I look like, which is really interesting. <laughs>
But anyway, so 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 the baby's out there grabbing this and grabbing that, right? And it's it's all failed attempts to actually grab something. Prevent, yeah. Right? Until that muscle every that, failed when attempt they is a little bit of a lesson to eventually to connect it. it. To and connect then eventually it. they grab it and then they do it over and over. And, and they, they grab it and guess what happens? We There's know a this. neuron that goes Exactly. Fires it. in, creates the path, and then all of a sudden it goes again. A friend of mine is a, a pretty prominent neurologist in, at NYU, and he was saying, we were talking about art, and he's like, you know, we love your type. And I was like, what does that mean, <laughs> your type? And he's like, like, the art type. And I was like, why? And they were like, we like the, the artist's brain because we've realized that it's an actual physical, like a real neuron connection, mm -hmm. that when we're thinking artistically, when we're being creative, when we're doing critical thinking, that it actually physically fuses neurons together, and oh, that's exciting. And and, the, and they love and apparently they like to like we're I like think that artists' brains are also like actually in their hands. Go any farther in like the thinking process of something until I'm actually using my hands to like literally work through the process, and it's it's like my hands that tell my brain or my eye like what to think. Well, back to the whole thing with the Met, when you're talking about the uh, five, six hundred year old, the, the hand. Mm -hmm. I don't even know work, what market was the that, I, that, that was made left. it happen. I have, no, I have no conscious awareness of exactly what part of that piece made it happen, it, but I felt it. But, but there was a vibe. That's why we love the hands, you know, in the, the case of In the case. No, we just, it's Last irresistible. Code, it's, it's irresistible. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I think that's uh, being, a, you know, a relatively new dad and a, and with a new baby. I'm still fascinated by them um, figuring out how to, like you were saying, do things. But when they're now, my oldest daughter is old enough to draw things that are relatively represent, are representational. And then I see her trying to draw things, and it looks like kids' drawings, but I realize that she's trying to draw realistically. She's trying to draw representationally, whatever whatever the word is. I don't mm -hmm. know. You know, we have this, mm -hmm. this this issue with, like, what is the meaning? What's the word we're trying to use? But she's trying to draw realistically. So when I hear, and I've, again, said this before, but when I see people in, you know, the New York art scene who's like, I'm trying to draw like a child again and keeping it innocent. I'm like, well, then you should be drawn realistically because I, I have a daughter and they're trying to be <laughs> honest and they're trying to draw faithfully. They just haven't learned how to do it yet. But I know my daughter. I've asked her and she's like, I'm trying to draw it real. She That's just doesn't say point. those words. That's a good point. So if you want to draw like a child, you should be drawing it's as kind of like It's kind possible. of like an, opening a door and expecting somebody to thank you. I know that's not fair. I no, it's no, come on. Why don't we parse it out? What do, what do we think it means to draw like a child? Right? Maybe I draw with little less what? We could, we could, we could all fear of judgment of others. I could, I could do with that. Fair enough, I could right? get along with. So I'd love to have a switch that I can, like, fear of judgment and others switch yeah. off, and I'd be like, sweet. And there's a wonderful way that children draw, and they're just free, and they're like, I'm an artist, I can draw. And then, unfortunately, they go to school and they see somebody else draws a little bit better than them, and then they're like, ah, oh, shit, I can't draw. I also think kids have much more skill than we give them credit for. I was my son had some homework assignment where he was supposed to draw an apple, and he had an apple on the table, and he was just drawing, and he wasn't looking at the apple. And I just sort of said, "Well, you know, that apple's there. You can look at it. Like you, 
And if you look at it from here, it's a little bit different than from here. And he just started to draw it. He drew like a really good apple for like a six-year-old. I mean, it was it was impressive. I was like, I was blown away. But let's not dismiss the intelligence of your redirection, right? And I, I mean, I think, and that's what that's you know. I mean, I think this drawing like a child is really about more closer to what Patty's saying, and yet. <laughs> more. The audience is getting drunk. Probably because people are suffering from things that they tell themselves. I think that's why they say that. I mean, I think they say that because, and I, I suffer from what I tell myself. I'm not saying I'm. Avoid, um, but, what were you say, David? Yeah, David. I just you had, had a quick question because David um, You guys are talking about like the the naivete of children. Like as painters, like I have these heroes that are painters that don't paint realistically at all that I fell in love with when I was 16 years old because of the color, because of the rhythm, because of going to the museum for the first time and falling in love with art because of color and, and different things that aren't necessarily what we do in, in humanity. I'm curious if you guys have that. No. No? Okay. And, and who so, was your okay, first artist? Okay. I, I, I do. You know, okay, if you feel that way, David, why don't you paint like him? No, oh, nice. Uh, no, I'm trying to get back there. I, I, you are not. You're are very... doing very skillful, <laughs> uh, you know, traditional, observed things. It doesn't mean way. I dislike them any less. I mean, I, I, I find, I find that they're like Mark Chagall. I love his work. I love the cemetery gates, the Jewish uh, cemetery that he painted, and I find a lot of meaning in that. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's not as, it's not a, as well done as Wyeth. And Wyeth I love. And Wyeth wasn't as academically skilled as a lot of us. Like, he wasn't. His hard edges and everything, but we still find this, this, um, I feel like I have this center. I don't want to. Oh. No, no, it's part of it. No, it's part of the head. Like, he has just such an intensity that we all want in our work, obviously, and that and immersion that we sure. want in our work that Dan has. Because yeah. we saw your... Like, you paint your life. You paint mm -hmm. your narrative. Mm -hmm. You know, that is what the narrative is in your work. It's your life. Mm -hmm. And it's your love. And it's your truth. And I think that that's what we all want. And I think that we have influences that kind of are a gateway drug into what we love about art. And, and it's not necessarily always completely rational. Mm -hmm. You know, granted, we go in different directions as the wind kind of pulls us. No, it shouldn't be rational. It should be emotional. Mm -hmm. It is. It totally is. So I love these artists that I saw when I was 15, 16 years old when we first went to the Philadelphia Museum of Art. I saw the poet half past three, and it's of a, of a violinist by Chagall where the head is upside down. <laughs> you know, and it's not rationally something that I should love. And I love it just as much as the Aikens of the Gross Clinic. That's okay. You know, and I had Shana take a picture of me in front of it. Yeah. I was so I'm not even excited sure to visit that old friend of mine in the museum. Why rationally shouldn't you love it? Because I think actually, if you're thinking about like drawing like a child, there's absolutely no reason why you wouldn't love it, right? Like if you're like approaching art with freedom and just like your feelings and your emotion, yeah, like. Um, like Eve's kind, Klein Blue, like it makes me, it's so beautiful. I'm just like, I never get tired of that color. I green. love blue. <laughs> Sponsored by the color green. Um, sure. You know, or, you know, the energy of Pollock or actually like Roth. I mean, I, yeah, those, those paintings act on me, you know, and they give me an energy. And I do, I mean, yeah, like how do I think about the energy and beauty that I experience there? What might 
how might it like be brought into my own work? Like I don't know. I, I think I'll probably be thinking about that for decades. Like I, I don't know, but 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 if but if there's ways in which that can like wash in like an ocean, that would be kind of lovely. Yeah, I don't I like to have authentic. a. They're all as authentic yeah. Absolutely. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. I think I think what we hate is a contemporary art that's kind of BS. Exactly. We, I mean, we can tell when something right. is not inauthentic yeah. right. easily. Well, and we I, know when we, someone tries mean, hard in what they're doing. Right. We were recording earlier with, with Julia Reyes, and I think yeah. it was it that when you were saying you actually have more of a connection with some of the abstract expressionists who are really going for it than some of the like the the modern realists who don't uh, are all could, like ironic and you know I mean I yeah I, I was like saying, you feel like I, there was I an honesty in, in those with abstract expressionism that's sincere and that's, that's like re- deeply felt than I do with you know John Curran mm-hmm. which is ironic and not really mm-hmm. serious and he's hedging with that's really true. That's one thing we have in common with the uh, with mm-hmm. Pollock and de Kooning is mm-hmm. that they, they do come from sincerity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thomas Real Hartman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thomas Hartman. And I think it's that's from, important. Right. And and I think one of the things that and and I'll I'll reference. Um, do you know who Neil Gaiman is? The author. Yeah. He did like Sandman and, and he did like Coraline. He's yeah. an amazing writer. And he was doing this uh, this speech. I think it was some sort of like college graduation speech, and he did the um, the keynote. And and you can look it up on YouTube. It's great. I, I recommend it. It's like 19 minutes long. It's called "Make Good Art." And he was talking about like being a freelance writer and what it's say and and like being trying your best to make good art, whatever that is. And one of the things that he said was. You can get paid or you cannot get paid for a job or what you think you're supposed to do. But I started realizing that I'm just going to try to make the art that is meaningful and important to me. And I feel like it has the integrity and try to make it good. Because if I don't get paid, which is very likely, at least I have the art. Mm -hmm. And that's going to go a long way. Mm -hmm. Um, If I get paid, great. Mm-hmm. But I always know that I can back it up with, I have the art that exists. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a commonality that I feel with that statement, that when I look at who's on the stage and all our colleagues and, and people I admire in, in the audience hanging out with us, is that when I look at their work, I'm like, it exists, and I'm happy it exists, and it's going to make my life a little bit better regardless if it was sold or not, you know? Like, it makes my life better. So the idea of, like, making good art for the reason for the reason that exists, and I think that might be something that you might, you know, you would think, like, abstract expressionism, we're not supposed to be like that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, if it's good, it's good. Sure. And if you feel like it's honest and they left their mark, mm-hmm. honestly, then It doesn't I mean that too. I love the stuff. No, but the ideas, the ideas, the ideas... <laughs> Like you know, what I'm trying to get to is that if it left its mark and it's honest, I think it's well. It's, it's, it's sincere, but unfortunately, they only touched on a fragment of what's yeah. needed. Yeah, but it's not. Com- it's not complete. They only touched. Yeah, they like scratched the surface. They they, uh, they 
did in part, but well, but it, what I do isn't complete either. Right. But it's yeah. also it's I have to add what I do to what you do to what Ted does to what Tony does to what Rose does to what Shana does to what Teresa. Does. Like I have to add, we have to add all of that together. And if the whole universe stopped making art that wasn't also like abstract and conceptual, like that would really be an impoverishment of my world. You yeah. know. Mm -hmm. So I want to. Um, I hope to live in a world in an art world that's more pluralistic mm -hmm. and just um, yeah unified mm -hmm. by ideas. Like Although that. I'd like to have but the commonality of it being, uh, being honest and being really exactly. serious. Yeah. Regardless of the style, I just want that authenticity, that mm -hmm. seriousness, yeah. and that importance. And and honest. And I know that you're gonna. What do you, but what but do you back to of, even what David and Daniels. I, I'd like to. I'd like it to be beautiful, or mm -hmm. I'd like it to be loved. loved. Like I, like, you, I think that you, would be great. What do you, yeah. what do you think of this idea? Because this word honest is a, is a trip for me. Mm -hmm. um, you have people who are raised, let's say, their, their whole exposure or only exposure in the narrative that they've been fed is abstraction. Like this, whatever you say, abstract expressionism. Or in my case... Are you talking about... That when they when they met artist? art, when they met right. art, when they met painting, when they met okay. this this movement of this this process passing through their body, it was all like, don't make it look like anything. You know, we all had that. Right, right. No, yeah. what I'm saying is, um, you, if they don't like, if we don't, and I had mine with which which was realism, right? Which yeah. was representational. Was from the Schmidt the, that direction in Chicago, the Chicago brushstroke. Right, I didn't choose it. It's just what my I was born on the planet, a place where that was the place I landed. Right, and it landed on me. So we can say. So I'm really interested in the question: Is what would be an honest painting by me? Right. I mean, do I know it's not an abstract expressionist yeah. painting? Like I'm trying to say, like this question of honest. I think it's very powerful to let go of the idea that you can be a bunch of different kinds of artists and just kind of like live and accept the limitation that you just kind of are stuck being yourself. Um, and it's like maybe not always comfortable, but if you can just kind of like live into like, well, like I can't really, I don't really do that, or I wasn't trained in abstract expressionism. Like I very much can look back at my particular path that made me the artist I was, and it feels like the hand of God said, no, do this, no, then go there, and then, and that's just how my life went, and I ended up here on this stage somehow. I don't know. I but I, I tell you, I try. But try. Like, I feel like if I can just accept, we were talking about this earlier, mm -hmm. like if I can just accept, like stop worrying about what everybody else is doing and what everyone else is thinking, mm -hmm. and live in fully to just only my very limited little world and only my very limited like ability to understand just that one thing and just do that as well as I can mm -hmm. I, and I don't have to worry then don't worry about the but I just I'll tell you I, had robots. A, I, I like to experiment right I like to experiment I like to experiment with maybe That's even you. yeah 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 and that, they mean that is what you're I never am, gonna stop right, doing right? that but but I um yeah and so now what uh, look fair enough we can stop there. I won't say anything else, but I will say something. Um, but so, so I tried an experiment of being like I, I, I was working abstractly, right, and and like meeting the questions that a person who works that way meets, right? They're scary Through as hell. Me. They're scary as hell, and it was a really, really fascinating dive. Right into those questions when I and, and I realized I didn't know what was 
I didn't know. I kept running into, I don't know. I don't know what it needs. I don't know what it is. Right? And it was really kind of interesting. And I think, and I thought that was a... Well, why, is it, why was it interesting? Can you describe why? Okay, well, I can't... I can I can I can like I can. How much time do we have, right? Country, you know. I mean, it's like it is know, like visiting another culture. country. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, yeah. So when I returned to my own work, I brought new questions to my sure. own work. So when, so 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 can I? So there, it opens doorways to a little bit more sensitivity of allowing that, uh, not knowing where something's going to go, and embrace it in a new way. Fair enough? Yeah. I'm sorry, I put my arms all up because I think I'm a painter. Well, I'm just, no, I'm <laughs> it's like everything's trying to come out of my body all the time. Go ahead, sorry. Did you go uh, on an adventure with abstract painting and then come back to your realist painting? Of course. Or? Okay, I didn't know about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I mean, I actually, one of the Optical Illusions painting in, in the Optical Illusion show is I took a realist a, a, a painting of a figure posing. and I, I painted her posing and all this stuff, right? And I put this whole abstraction on top of it, but I made... I tried to make every decision from a decision I would not do. Does that make sense? So were you now, trying to do that just to make yourself you... uncomfortable, or were you trying to it just was do a that I want to be uncomfortable? It was a project. Yeah. Well, was... knowing that there was going to be an end time, right. a limit. Right. Not, yeah, I don't know. Or did you think you might go off the... Over to the dark side and never come back. <laughs> yeah. No, no, because what happened because, to Rose? We've lost her, man. We've lost her. But Daniel, you but, use a lot of abstraction right, in your right, composition. Right, right, right. Like a lot of the times when you, you know, create the portrait and that's really tight. But then what's happening on the sides and the background is there's a lot of yeah. really exciting, like, and that's. Fr- you, don't tell me you aren't thinking about abstract expressionism or like you never saw a Jackson Pollock because it's all in there. Spot. And that's why your paintings yes. are so specific. Like 21st century realist paintings and not 20th century realist paintings. You know, it's the naturalist painters did that. If you look really closely at things, textures are sort of approximated. Like the big painting by um, uh, uh, Bastien Lepage. That, yeah. yeah. So I would back up her comment. I, I think she, it's been going abstract on. expressionism is not what you meant to say. Naturalism or well, mid 19th century in terms of that looseness, that No, I actually of... really did mean abstract expressionism <laughs> in the terms of some of the right. ways that he um, frames the edges around the portraits that were at the Denver Museum show. You oh. know, he's using, like, oh. a lot of black, marky, strikey, you know, Eves Klein, no, Franz Klein, looking marks on the yellow, you know, on the high-key yellow background. Mm. And if you relate to... Franz Klein, and they relate to Jackson Pollock. Yeah. If, you, if you go close up on an Innis painting, it's the best abstract expressionism. Like, when you get really close, you're like, that's yeah. just pure oh, yeah. abstract expressionism yeah. at its finest, sure. you know? Well, they were not just inventing themselves out of nothing yeah. in the 40s. I mean, that they were looking back to, with or without realizing it, with or without articulating it. I mean, nothing just happens out of nothing. Um, so it's all human beings sort of being aware or somehow absorbing something It's like leaving little seeds out for people to find yeah. these little yeah. moments. And, sure. and they take it, put it in their pocket, and maybe yeah. they might pull it out or maybe not. That's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. For everybody to find. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the things I wanted to do because of the podcast, I feel like, the the, the 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 beginnings of it was always like it's supposed to be a hang. I know that sounds like, uh, but but it is like I'm, I'm trying. It's supposed to be a hang. It's 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 a fly on a wall for people who don't 
do what we do. It's a fly on a wall in our studios or, or at the bar with us mm -hmm. like when we right. have drinks and talk about these things because this is the whole idea is that we, we do this pretty often in, in more intimate settings. Um, I wanted to involve some of the audience and maybe have them just give us a couple of questions or things that's on, uh, they're on their mind. Uh, David, you can still be... I feel like you're just a part of it. But I wanted to get some of the questions from the audience and see if it's something that we can either answer or not answer and just see the participation part of this. Might so be I teach teen students, and I think you guys Chay -chay. are so inspirational. <laughs> hey, Tay Tay. Uh, <laughs> you guys are so inspirational. How do you guys... Um, express your knowledge and like I want I would love to be able to teach my teen students to be so thoughtful and what kind of advice would you have for me to tell my teen students to be more thoughtful painters be thoughtful I mean, they're already, they're already in your class for some right. reason. Right. They're already making a connection to you. Well, New Mexico, I have to say a lot of the reason they're in my class is because they take art out of uh, the classrooms. So there's no art in classes mm -hmm. in a lot of the schools, and no one's teaching art to teens. Right. That's so, a big problem. It's an absolute problem. And not because I like art and I'm an artist, and, yeah. but I think it's a big problem to the young mind. Yeah. The young mind is wired to make art and to be creative. Right. You know, in, in their way, but it's, it's, and it's something I'm concerned with being, you know, having two little kids now. Right is, and again, back to the, my NYU neurologist friend, yeah. where they were like, the best thing you can do for young, young children is have them be creative and make art, because it's the best um, uh, uh, way to train the brain. And we all know we have supercomputers in our pockets right now that are more powerful than the computers that sent the, you know, the, the, the lunar, the, the, you know, the spaceship up to the moon, and uh, <laughs> the spaceship up to the moon. Um, but the best thing we can do to train our kids is just have them be, be creative and make art, because that's the best thing we know thus far to prepare them okay. for what's coming down. I disagree. Okay, please, why? Okay, so I think that obviously education, pedagogy, like these things, it's like, you know, that's why we're here is super important. I, for me, I, the answer to that question has more to do with cultivating um, critical thinking conversations about cultural things in their life and in your life that you care about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my daughter, uh, who's um, 17 now, like her favorite painting is Manet's Olympia. And one of the reasons it's her favorite painting is because we like sat down on the floor at the Musée d'Orsay and like I told her why I love that painting, you know, because of the agency of that model and the ideas about the artist's gaze and who she is as a person. And she's not just like, it's not just an image, it's like she's a human being. And we had this whole conversation about what do you see? What do you think? What did the artist think? And what's the conversation? And, you know, and then to do it with this piece of art or that piece of art or some TV show or some play and cultivate and, and have, and of course, like, they're smarter than 
I am half the time. So like what their insights are, are like, are always different and, but always good, but just but inviting the conversation. And I think young people, like they really, they're really turned on by those conversations. They don't have the opportunity to have that very often. And so like we as artists, like we actually care about this stuff. So like, so bring it to them. But can you have that conversation with her when she's in first grade? Yeah. You think it, you think it could leave that lasting It would be a shorter mark. conversation. Yeah. I might not talk about, like, you know, sex with models and yeah. courtesans. Yeah. Like, I might leave that part so out. So I but... want my daughter to be painting and drawing and being around music and being around the right people and having those conversations But you're going to show them which day. music. You're like, dude, this is yes. a great song. you got to yes. listen to this song. But it's, this I, is I, epic. <laughs> this is a, wait, totally. this is the best part. That's what you do. Yes, but I I don't want to. But I I I also get. I'm afraid for for Mm -hmm. you know the education because again it's about the education. Is how about the other children? The the idea that it should be implemented in 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 society. Like you go to school and it's there. It's there for you. Of course, you're going to have the family life and the people you surround yourself. And your children with, but the idea of when you go to your school or it's there as well. Meaning, the fact that the idea that it's out of school right now is disturbing to me. I don't like that. I don't like the idea that idea. idea that it's not in the conversation when it comes to the most common thing that is 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 given to our children. Well, but aren't schools being forced? to just teach to the test? I mean, isn't it really hard to get something more substantial into the mix? I honestly don't know because I'm not a parent and I'm not a teacher, but you know, they, I feel for the system. They take art out of school completely because it's not funded. Right. It's, so those it's that are interested yes. in taking art classes, the parents have to have the funds yeah. to be able to, just like sports. I mean, there's no sports in schools anymore, so now you have to pay extra. And most of the parents are working three jobs. Mm. You know, and so... It's kind of criminal. It's horrible. Right. And so I guess what I'm getting at is that these um, acts of making or talking are not present in the regular curriculum. So this mm-hmm. is an after-school well, or so additional my something or other. I have serious conversations with them, and I talk a lot about what's going on in their worlds. Mm-hmm. You know, and there, it's so much drama. Yeah, mm-hmm. I imagine. <laughs> and and so, um, but bringing in, I recently had a student who killed himself, mm. and um, <laughs> I tried so hard to get him to put that emotion into his work because he was so talented. I'm sorry. Yeah, art can that. make a difference in people's lives. Art can actually be a total lifeline sure. for mm-hmm. kids who are, you know, struggling, depressed, because isolated. I, sure. I can really give them meaning and something to hold on to and a sense of who they are in this mm-hmm. crazy world. I mean, it's very powerful and all of us who teach and teach young people and parent young people, like, actually very powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, as for me, the main thing that artwork has done for me in my life is provided me with a sense of self-worth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I bet everybody sure. has that a little yeah. bit. Like, from, because, like, from as a young person, like, having that sense of, like, oh, I have this little thing that I'm kind of good at. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, Sometimes you'll have a moment where <laughs> you'll have, like, small victories. You do a painting or you, there's a passage in a painting that you did 
that's like, that's not horrible. Mm -hmm. And then you can look at that, and there's almost like these small little affirmations of like, I'm, I'm, you know, that's all right. I I could do that tomorrow again, maybe, hopefully. I think we just returned to narrative again. (laughs) It's very possible. Yeah. Any uh, uh, any other questions? Wow, that was incredible. What? Chuck! What did you say? Yeah, her story. I'd like to ask you, as a group, um, what's your favorite color? (laughs) Green! (laughs) Bill. Thank you. My favorite color is blue. I'm I'm just I'm patty. Clinging, I'm being myself, man. We're going to get a funding bowl, too. Wait, would you, blue? Blue. Kind of really use it that much. All you use more them. yellow. All yeah. I like blue better. Well, so Purple's thanks. my favorite color. I, I think we can just thank everybody. That yeah. was an amazing conversation. Yeah, thank I you. I think you guys all were willing to go really deep and get really personal. And I, I, I think that was an amazing conversation. I just want to thank Ted and Tony for all the work they do right. for this podcast. Because this yeah. is a real, I know it's a labor of love. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not the glamour and it's not the champagne front that you guys get for this, for this job that you do. But you make a really big difference in people's lives. And we all have you in our ears in our studio. And it makes me feel, I mean, of course, you guys. I apologize. It makes me feel so connected to be able to do that. So I just want to thank you for all the hard Work. Thank you. Thank you. And should we suggest donations? They wish. What was that? Should we suggest donations? We can't get our act together. No, no, we can't get our act together with that. Just buy them drinks. You realize it's a play off the, I mean, originally the the Met, going to the Met, and they had the, like, it was like $25. Suggested donations. And that was like, it's like the little hidden thing that we wanted to pull I'll give you a quarter because that's what I gave them. Oh, you're saying we're worth a quarter? Is that what you're saying, Rose? No, I liked it, but I was poor. Artists are cheap, man. And hey, thanks. You for uh, for coming out and hanging out Edit with us out, and, and, and just making this super fun. So thanks. Yeah, yeah thanks so everybody for Thank coming. And what we're gonna do is we're actually recording this, so we're gonna edit this real nice and put it out there so you can listen to it and at it your leisure. It gets me to a, a rest, a new rest. <laughs> sure. <laughs> anyway, thanks. Oh, thanks. thanks everybody. Thank you.